Metropolis hadn't been as satisfying as we'd hoped. When we had encountered Supergirl, we had at least gotten something strange and new, but now we were faced with a more harrowing prospect. Boredom with the Man of Steel. Hi, my name is John. And I'm Matthew. And we are the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. When will we ever get away from Superman? (laughs) Please God, soon. Soon. Soon, TM. All right, look. Superman is in so many friggin' titles. I had to get an entire other volume of Showcase Presents to start covering the second half of 1962. That book only comes up to the start of 1964. I'm going to have to get a whole other volume by the time we get back to Superman again. That's how many friggin' books he's in. And that's insanity because he's not doing anything yeah and that's what bothers me so we're going to talk about that a little bit because we're going to go over the summaries for this this might be a shorter episode but there's one there's a couple key things that i want to talk about that are similar themes that we've seen with aquaman that i want to bring up that we like with aquaman that we are seeing with superman and i want to figure out if we can see why we dislike it with superman so i want to we'll get into that when we get to the summaries so uh we're going to start uh, basically pick up where we left off last episode, which was uh, now we're at Superman number 154, July 1962. Uh, there's another three stories in one Superman magazine. So uh, the first story is Superman fights Mixius Pitalik, who is um, in, it just absolutely chuffed that he thinks he's figured out how to beat Superman by putting himself underwater so that whenever he speaks to say his name backwards, the water rushes into his mouth and it impedes him from speaking. I can't imagine. This guy never thought of that ever. Once. That he didn't think of just putting a muzzle on himself or a gag or literally anything. Um, Superman gets him to say his name backwards by flying him to the moon and destroying a bunch of moon rocks in front of Mixie Spitlick, who was uh, mockingly saying his name backwards into the vacuum of space. And as he blows up the rocks with his heat vision, it causes a, an explosion that creates oxygen because that's how science works. And Mixie Spitlick accidentally says his name for Superman to hear. And he goes back to the fifth dimension. A loser. Because apparently there is a prankster prize in the fifth dimension where Mixius Pitlick is and he continually gets the booby prize because he just keeps trying to trick Superman and you'd think he'd pick a different target. Literally any other target. Uh, the second story, uh, Superman get, goes evil due to uh, a kryptonite curse or a hypnotic curse placed on his father, Jor-El, that takes effect now. Um, back on Krypton... Jor-El encountered a man who got Superman-like powers after a, f- a very Flash-esque accident in a lab. Um, mm. And he turns out to be a bad guy. And Jor-El and the rest of the science council of Krypton or whatever, ha- if whatever they are at this point, decide to put him in the Phantom Zone. But before he is put into Phantom Zone, the guy's father curses the house of Jor-El and says, your son's going to really make you look bad one day. And that day is today, and Superman just ended up being a jerk for like 24 hours, and that was it. The end of the story. Um, The last story in this one is Superman tells a bunch of kids to pick up after themselves because it's a nice thing to do. It's a straight-up PSA. Some kids are throwing litter and bikes at the foot of their stairs when they go into a clubhouse, and then when they come out, Superman's just put a bunch of garbage and bikes in front of their stairs. It's like, this is what happens when you don't pick up. Pick up your litter. The kids are like, Jesus, man, you couldn't have literally illustrated this any other way. It's interesting to me that they put that in the collection that you had as as an individual story, because that pops up in a bunch of different uh, DC comics and in a bunch of different issues like uh, that. That one shows up a bunch uh, in a very similar way to remember I talked about like how there'd be the uh, like UN PSAs, same mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh so it, yeah, it is one hundred percent a PSA. It it interests me that they ground they're contextualizing it as a story and and attaching it to this one particular issue. But yeah, that's that's all over the place. It's as it's as common as uh, Daisy uh, air rifle uh, pages and Tootsie Roll ads. Yeah, yes, actually, that's Perfect. that is a that is the right comparison. <laughs> Perfect. 
Uh, we're going to move right on to Action Comics, number 290, July 1962. Half of Superman is made mortal and weak by Red Kryptonite because we're running out of things to do with Red Kryptonite. There's literally nothing else to that story. He has to wait a full 24 hours before the rest of him becomes Superman again. It's stupid as hell. Um, Superman, number 155, August 1962. Superman is trapped on a planet with a, uh, a race of tyrants who have turned their sun green when Superman gets on the planet, so he has no powers anymore. He's stuck with the um, oppressed class who have been turned blind by these evil scientist tyrants, and he uses his skills as Superman, his intelligence, his wit, and his cunning to overthrow these tyrants, which I thought was actually a really good issue and interesting story. He even mentions the rest of the JSA in the story. That was kind of cool. There's a moment where he's like, uh, or the JLA, actually. There's a moment where he's like, I don't have my powers. I can't do anything. No, that's not true. I know plenty of members of the Justice League who don't have powers and are just as capable as I am. And I'm like, that's how you do that. That's how you mention Justice League characters without actually showing them that Superman has learned from Batman and Green Arrow and the Atom that he doesn't need his superpowers to be this awesome. That was a cool nod, and I really liked that. The story was okay. It wasn't incredible, but it was two out of the three stories in the Superman magazine. It was kind of interesting to see him kind of like... It was a very Adam Strange story. Yeah, that's and actually that a really fun. good comparison. because, And we see a couple of those kinds of self-serious is the word that I've kind of used. Uh, mm-hmm. And it really is such a tonal difference from like the Mr. Mixie Spitalik story. Yeah, it was it was a good pair of stories or a good two parter that worked for me, I think. And I was like, I would enjoy seeing more Superman stories like this. Um, the third story in this in this book um, has a guest star of a real individual. This is actually the first celebrity that we get who isn't a president in any comics that we've seen so far, because um, we've seen, you know, current presidents in, in the books in Justice League and things like that. Um, this is the first real life person that is in any of these comics that we've noticed before that there wasn't like previously dead due to like you know a historical individual we're talking like a a present day individual that was alive during the time of this comic Antonino Rocca who is a professional wrestler during the 60s um, helps Superman beat a bunch of uh, sports betting individuals who and you know by faking that Superman loses to a wrestling contest to Rocca And when I say professional wrestler, I do, in fact, mean WWE wrestler. I looked up Rocka's career. Rocka was a member of the NWA and the WWF, which is the precursor to the WWF, which then became the WWE. That's as much wrestling history as I'm going to give you. Suffice it to say, this guy was a professional wrestler. It was like if they put Roman Reigns in a story or Dwayne The Rock Johnson or John Cena. It's kind of out of place. A little less self-aware because now we are aware that wrestling is fake. But back then, that was a big deal. So that's interesting. And he he looked exactly like he did in real life. Like I looked at pictures and comparisons between the art and him. Very good likeness. And it was just kind of funny. I was like, huh, that's what a weird pick. <laughs> like of all the athletes that were around in the 60s. Okay. Whoever was writing the stories in DC at the moment, maybe the editorial were big wrestling fans. Good for them. You know, whatever. Um, Action Comics number 291, uh, August 1962 is the next story. Red kryptonite makes Superman weak to other materials instead of green kryptonite. So essentially he becomes weak to like gold and silver and what have you and diamond. It's a weird story. It doesn't really go anywhere because it's red kryptonite. So it wears off in a little bit of time. Um, Action Comics number 292, September 1962. Luthor escapes from jail and ends up going into space to escape custody and lands on a planet uh, reigned by robots and kills a robot when he's on the planet because he's Luthor and he's like, I don't answer to robots. Um, And the robots put him in jail and they're about to kill him when Superman finds out where he is and they're like, we're going to kill this guy. And he's like, well, I don't want you to kill him for reasons, I guess, and proves that Luthor is innocent by actually putting a Superman robot's power source in one of the robot citizens and saying, see, he's not dead, which is kind of lying. It, 100%. Like, this is an, a subversion of justice. <laughs> yeah. Superman pretty much obstructs and and rigs a court of law on, an, on a robot planet to save Luthor's life. He also doesn't bring Luthor back to Earth. He leaves him on the planet. 
and Luthor is on the planet now in action comics canon. Mm-hmm. He's just on this planet now, marooned. Um, that was a very strange story. The re- I think the reason that they are they were willing to write Superman as subverting this court of justice is because the story just treats these presumably sentient robots as not they they are non people. Yeah. Uh, they talk about oh like if he did this on Earth it wouldn't be a crime at all because it's just a robot and and I don't know like maybe it's just our discourse around robots has changed enough that there's at least some sense of this is they are people to some degree that we wouldn't be comfortable with it now, but I don't know. The metal men would have something to say about this. Yes. 100%. It also feels like it's of a piece with like, Oh, clones. And it's like nowadays, I don't know that people would like the attack of the clones and the clone wars. I think people would now watch if that came out now there would be the more immediate oh this is kind of fucked up isn't it instead of that being something that could sort of be kept in the background for a while before bringing it up in the show and such yeah i agree uh we move on to superman number 156 october 1962 superman thinks he's dying and he gets everyone that he knows to put his affairs in order Legion of Superheroes comes out to help. Laurie Lamaris helps out. Supergirl helps out. Turns out, Jimmy Olsen, who is hanging out next to Superman this entire time, has a piece of kryptonite stuck in his camera and he doesn't know it. And it's slowly poisoning Superman. Jimmy, you're a photojournalist. Clean your fucking camera. (laughs) How are you not doing that, like, every day? Because this goes on for, like, a couple days. Superman is ill for, like, three days straight. How has Jimmy not decided that, like, I'm going to clean my camera lens? What is this kryptonite doing right here? It's stupid. Um, It's a very, like, Superman's going to die. Oh, just kidding. He did. It's very subvertive and and silly. Uh, Action Comics number 293, October 1962. Red kryptonite splits Superman into into Clark Kent and Superman individually. And Clark Kent has to trick the Superman identity into sticking around so that they can re... um, Remerge into one entity later. Um, the Superman version of him is a guy who basically never grew up in Smallville and just has his power, so he's a big jerk because he doesn't understand how he should use his powers responsibly. It was an interesting kind of dissection of the character, but it was ultimately pointless because nothing ever came from it. Um, Superman number 157, November 1962. This is a, this is a, this is a doozy. Superman decides to release a prisoner from the Phantom Zone who has served his time. Okay. Then he realizes that the guy was serving his time unjustly because he was framed for what he did. And Superman proves his innocence and the guy stops his justice vendetta on Superman because he's a descendant of Jor-El and Jor-El's the guy who sentenced him to the Phantom Zone. That was, that was dumb. Because also, like, they talk a whole lot about, like, whether or not Superman should let this guy out. And I'm like, technically, you have no authority. You have no legal authority over any of these individuals. You just own, you just have the Phantom Zone projector. And that's something I want to cu- kind of latch on to just briefly. No legal authority. And that's something that bugs me about this version of Superman is that focus on legality. We talked about Superman and legalism re- Uh, I think on the previous episode, I kind of had this down as a lawful stupid moment. Modern, I think of modern Superman as a moral authority and that being the the thing that he views things through and legalism as something where, okay, I'll follow the law to avoid people getting hurt and to keep things moving smoothly. But being driven and bound by the law in this way is fundamentally out of character in my modern understanding of this character. Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't call a judge or something. It was dumb. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh, actually, you know what? Here's, here's, mm, mm. he has the time, the ability to go back in time. Yeah. There are so many Kryptonian judges he could have checked with or something. He could have checked with his dad. What the precedent was. Oh, we could get the Kryptonian legal drama. (laughs) Yeah, we could. Not to mention the fact that he goes back. Yeah, there we go. Or KCIS. Yeah, KCIS. There we go. Um, Not to mention, he goes back in time to prove the guy's innocence anyway. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know? Huh. So like there was a whole, it was, that story's dumb. Um, <laughs> the second story in the Superman issue is Superman pretends to be a genie in a sting operation with Perry White. I think you can hear how upset I am about this. Third story, Superman save is saved by a little league baseball player who finds him, you know, weakened by some kryptonite that Bizarro gifted him for Superman Day. Now, this is a dumb story that Superman's going to have a parade for him and he's going to check something and while he's doing it, Bizarro shows up to give him a gift because it is the, it's the holiday for Superman, but because Bizarro thinks of things backwards, he gives Superman his greatest, you know, mortal danger he gives him a a big shard of kryptonite and then is like later dude happy superman day i was like this is kind of cute for like a two-page bit and i kind of like that like it showed bizarro for like two seconds and then you know superman thinks he's gonna get saved by any one of his friends who notice that he's not at the parade when he should be when a bunch of kids show up at the baseball diamond that he's at and they're like holy shit superman kryptonite they just put the kryptonite away in a lead box and they're like are you all right, man? He's like, yeah, thanks. And that's the end of the story. <laughs> it's very, it was very like, wow, we took a long walk for this payoff. That was weird. The The thing that occurs to me there is there are a lot of storylines that we cover that would be best served as like Archie Digest stories. Yeah, that's a newspaper comic at best. Yeah. That's that's a Sunday. God, yeah, Sunday the Sunday page. strip. Like you get you get the really good like Calvin and Hobbes art kind of thing where you, it just stretches it, but it's just the one page and it's done. God. Yep. Yeah. Um, we have two more issues that we're going to cover. Action Comics number two ninety four, November nineteen sixty two. Luthor makes uh, Luthor, who is still on the planet that Superman marooned him on, uh, makes some androids out of lead, diamond, and kryptonite to protect him while he becomes a space pirate because he outwits the robots on the world and gets his freedom. Superman has to fight him and he fights the kryptonite uh, the kryptonite robot only to have the lead one sacrifice himself and melt onto the kryptonite robot so Superman is safe. Luthor is now back on Earth uh, and in jail. Uh, Action Comics number 295 is the last issue we're going to cover, December 1962. The Superman Revenge Squad hypnotizes superman to do a bunch of stuff that makes him look like a douche while he destroys things and superman fakes really losing his mind and going crazy as a distraction for them to be found by the superman like assistance squad which are the kandorians who all dress like superman the tiny kandorians and they stop the revenge squad apparently the superman revenge squad is something from superboy it's a holdover from Superboy comics. Um, at least that's what it says when oh. they explain who they are, um, that they've been following him since he was Superboy. And I guess that was a big deal callback. <laughs> so that was that was it. So those are the stories that we're covering for today's episode. There's a lot of little things that Superman does that I want to talk about that, like I said, they remind me of Aquaman. And something that Aquaman does is he does a lot of like odd jobs for people specifically like ocean related salvage or pulling boats into port things like that that we see him do that he as the only or you know predominant water hero can do superman is doing the equivalent of those things building orphanages um, showing up at charity functions fixing railroads uh, digging giant ditches for XYZ thing with his superpowers or helping like NASA with a, with a test flight or the UN with something. He's doing a lot of these things that feel like a massive misuse of his powers. And not in the sense that he can't be involved in charitable situations because they all are in one way or another. At certain points, Green Lantern has been a charitable thing. The Flash does a lot of that kind of stuff. I'm here for, for a hero who is involved in the charitable situations in his hometown absolutely fine when part of his day is scheduled to do like labor for other people i feel like he's miss appointing himself like he's he's misscheduling himself in a way or metropolis is absolutely taking advantage of his niceness and it weirdly bothers me because yeah, 
Aquaman doing the same thing? Like Aquaman holding the water Olympics or being an extra in a water movie and that kind of crap. Yeah, it's a misuse. But Aquaman's not fighting aliens. You know? Um, there's that one storyline where he fights the interdimensional guys that, t- that try to take over Atlantis. Or the risen Atlantean monster guy. Never is Aquaman doing something that is world-threatening, though. And so Aquaman is a, a lower-scale hero. I wouldn't have a problem with Spider-Man mm-hmm. or Daredevil or Green Arrow doing something like this. Aquaman as well. Um, the Atom. Characters like that. Wonder Woman and Superman. It's like it. It's like having a genie and then asking them just to make you a cupcake. Do you really get what you have here? Do you really understand the scope of what's going on that you're asking this person to entertain children for a charity event? Isn't that demeaning? Not that it's not for a good cause, but like you do realize like this you're making him dance for your entertainment. And importantly, I th- I think with that example specifically, it's there's no deep connection there. It's just another it's another task of this person does good. It's not, "Hey, I'm here." I'm spending time with you. It's it's there are so many moments from classics like more classic modern Superman. There I am saying that uh, where he makes a deep connection with people or he had here is 10 minutes of my time. But I am here for you for this 10 minutes and I am going to make an impact on you because I am Superman and I am a I am a moral paragon who you can look up to. And there's just none of that. It's just check a box of this is a thing that good people do. So I guess this is what he's scheduled for. Well, today I'm going to the Metropolis Orphanage because I'm trying to raise money for these children. Yep. The, the con- converse example in Injustice, year one or two of the comic, there's a flashback sequence where Superman remembers seeing a kid fall off his bike and other kids are making fun of him for having fallen off his bike. And the bike is absolutely ruined. It's like the tires are trashed and the frame is messed up. And Superman watches this kid kind of like pick himself up and dust himself off. And he flies down and he goes, you okay? And the kid's freaking out because it's Superman. And he goes, let me see if I can help. And he he can't really fix the bike. He doesn't really know what he's doing. But he tries with super strength to like mend the tire wheel. And, the, and he just makes it worse. And he's like, sorry. Do you want me to give you a lift home? And then he goes, are you serious? He goes, yeah. And the next panel is the kid and him flying and they're flying over stuff. And and the kid's like, you know, they're talking about, you know, you know, where's your mom? She's like, well, mom works nights and she's really tired. So I get to kind of play by myself for a little while. And he goes, that must be really hard. And he goes, yeah, I, I miss her. And he goes, well, your mom is working very hard to help you out. And he goes, yeah, I love her. So are we close to your house? You know, I, I think it's the next block over. You just want to fly around a little bit more, don't you? Yeah. All right. One more time around the block. And he flies with the kid around the block one more time. And he drops the kid off. And the kids and the mom's like, where have you been? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I was flying with Superman. She's, and she's like, yeah, sure. And it goes like one week later, Superman shows up at the house with a new bike. And he goes, I kind of ruined the other one. Sorry. And he gives it to the mom. And she's like staring at him and the kid goes hi superman he goes oh hey how's your knee and the kid's like that's doing better he goes that's really good Uh, make sure you wear a helmet and the kid goes you got it superman that's the level of i'm a good person doing a good deed like you were saying little instances that are 10 minutes of his time to show that he's a good guy and it's not just i'm stopping criminals 24 7 there can't be crime all that time it just literally is impossible him having humanity not just a philanthropist. Humanity and philanthropy aren't the same thing. And, you know, oh, I'm going to do this for this person. I'm going to do this. Like, the fact that he has, as part of his day, scheduled things to help people feels really weird. Mm -hmm. And not a, 
not that he can't help people, but it's like you're scheduling your morally good actions. Ooh, yeah, that's a good way to put it. That, huh. It's one thing to say, I'm going to do one good deed today. And whatever that is, is nebulous. You help someone across the street who needs help. You open a door for somebody. You you let someone go ahead of you in line. If you make it ambiguous, it takes away the the performative nature of the action. Letting himself be hired out to do these things and not take money, but only like do it for charity feels performative. And I think that's what rubs me the wrong way about this version of goodness that is being portrayed by him. Aquaman bringing in stranded sailors. Who else is going to fucking help you? It's Aquaman. That's literally what he does. What else is he going to do? Aquaman having the Craigslist email address that we made that joke about makes sense because he has a specialized thing. Superman could do that and land stuff and air stuff and whatever. Aquaman's got one jam. Someone's got to help the people in the ocean. And you know what? So, not all the time there's going to be robberies. Somebody's boat's going to like run out of gas mid, mid you know, ocean. And, they're t- and the tide's going to pull them out. And Aquaman's going to tow them in. You know, sometimes you got that kind of crap. You know, or you have a hero who can withstand the crushing depths of the ocean. How else are you going to study undersea phenomenon? That's a little bit different. It's not like Superman's like helping Star Labs by going into space with like a new technology and seeing if it can withstand the vacuum. Or, hey, Superman, we have a garden that we want you to put on the moon and just make sure that it like that you water it and just see if the plants grow. Completely different. Superman helping the advancement of society with his unique abilities in only a way that he can is completely different than doing what a celebrity would do. If the thing that Superman is doing is saving you a little time and money... It's not a Superman job. Also, how novel does it become? Yeah. It's fine. If you go to Metropolis, you'll just watch Superman like three times a week, do a bunch of charity things. Are you really going to give for that? Is it really interesting anymore? You've seen him crush a thing a thousand times, especially when it's possible for him to crush diamonds out of coal really necessary for you guys to do this all the fucking time like the when him and uh, clark kent get split during the red kryptonite storyline um and one of the action comics superman tries to help the un by finding a bunch of gold and making a bunch of diamonds and giving it to the un to just fund them and they say please take it away because you're going to ruin the global economy the idea that superman has that ability to just screw with local governments and economies like that is incredibly dangerous. Like we joke all the time about like how many sunken treasures can he find? Clearly he can do whatever he wants. And when you say, Hey, super like, first of all, how are you calling him? Hey, uh, fortress of solid, you know, operator, can you give me the fortress of solitude? I, I need to schedule a uh, guest appearance for Superman to do X. What is this? What is his appearance going to lend you? Credibility? He's not endorsing products. It's a charity thing. If people aren't going to donate to it, they're not going to donate to it. But if they're there to see Superman, who they see all the friggin' time in Metropolis, is the novelty of Superman really that special? You know, out-of-towners, maybe. Like, if you got a guy from Central City who hasn't seen Superman, and he's sick of the tired of the Flash, and he's like, well, this guy can crush diamonds. That's great. I'm going to give a thousand dollars. Whatever. I, but you get what I mean. The performative nature of this feels gross and it and i don't know why i feel differently about about it with aquaman and i guess maybe it's because aquaman isn't as big a deal or what he's doing is so specific that it isn't so all over the place i don't know yeah i think the one other thing that keeps going through my brain is it's not just the the fictional power levels power levels you know what i mean Uh, yeah Uh, but also the the legacy of the character like aquaman is a not a joke character but certainly not a character who is epic in the way he's you in the way the cultural zeitgeist thinks of him at least yeah seeing aquaman do blue collar stuff 
fits with a weirdly blue collar guy who has suddenly become a royal narrative that we see. Mm. Seeing a god run a charity auction seems a little weird. You know, surely there is something around. You won't end world hunger, but you'll stop by the local orphanage and do juggling tricks with molten rocks to get them more money. Build them homes, for Christ's sakes. (laughs) Like... It feels like he's he's only doing half the work. It is the benefit of hindsight and decades of, of evolution and narrative cons- constructs of this genre that we are seeing that give us the ability to make this commentary. But we've seen this for years now. At a certain point, inventiveness and evolution has to occur in your narrative structure. And I think that's what we're running into is the lack of creativity is starting to show and it's becoming more obvious that they are hamstrung by the comics code when they have to be law abiding, absolutely morally correct characters with no flaws. He's not doing superhero stuff. He's getting psychically altered in the course of his normal day or being affected by red kryptonite while he's doing a a mundane task. Again, when was the last time we saw Brainiac? When was the last time we saw... Like, the reason the storyline with him on the other planet and the green sun stood out was because it was an actual story of heroism. The rest of these are just, how am I going to get out of this mess? There's an entire storyline about him being, thinking he's sick. There's nothing heroic about that. It's it's literally a, a, a mistake. It's a misdiagnosis was the whole plot. What is, like, what are we doing with this character? And I think you said you had some stuff about that, that specific issue about him being half dead. Yeah, it's, the stuff I have actually piggybacks off this pretty well. Because it is about that issue that I want to I want to narrow in on that because it is so to recap this is a story uh, where it is a three parter so like full novel length as they refer to it uh, where Superman is diagnosed with oh you have virus X you're going to be dead in thirty days so it is a last days of Superman story it is ostensibly a story about what would you do if you knew you were going to die and you were someone that powerful. What is the, to put it crassly, what is the bucket list of Superman? Uh, And it just doesn't. On a bunch of different levels, it, first off, it, it falls flat in a lot of ways, but also I want to talk about how it sort of shines a light on exa- kind of exactly what you were talking about, the the failings of the character in this era. Uh, because the things that he does during this however many days he has are fundamentally the things that he'd normally do. Like you talked about uh, building orphanages, doing some, helping out with some science shit. Uh, in this case, it's, well, what if, Okay, I'm going to make, uh, actually, I'm going to rattle off the feats. I'm going to rattle off all the things that he does in this block of time. The things that he actually says, this is something that I am going to address. It is, he digs canals in the desert. There's a threatening, like, planetoid in space. It sounds like it's just going to kind of collide with Earth eventually. There's a space fungus. Antarctica needs to be de-iced so that people can live there as humanity uh, expands in population. There's a monster in the depths, and he carves a message into space saying, hey, be kind to each other and be be good people. Those are the things he does. It's worth noting what's not on there is any resolution to anything because this is a character who does not have any unfinished business. He has things that 
are distant threats or distant, well, humanity's going to need space someday to expand. And that's it. And my brain keeps going to so many other characters, especially especially in the modern era or in the Bronze Age and or even yeah in the silver in the Bronze Age and later I guess because uh, you have like the Fantastic Four the the bickering you have Spider Man and I am someone who has the or Spider Man has the unresolved tension of people disliking Spider Man. And him having to live that secret identity and st- and not be totally accepted, not be everything he wants to be. Uh, you have Wolverine and his past. You have what other? What else did I? Ever- In this era, you have Supergirl and Wonder Girl being okay. The unresolved tension of they they are trying to become the full fledged super person or Wonder Woman that they know they're going to be someday, and. Hal Jordan, the unresolved tension of his unfulfilled desire for Carol Ferris and how that will they, won't they, metal men, platinum in the dock. And there's just nothing there for Superman. There is no tension to him in this era because in his personal life, at least, he could die right now and he'd be fine. It's all this story, this issue makes it very clear that Anything that happens on a personal level to him is just, it's just purpose of plot. It's not something endemic to the character. It's not, there is nothing promised about Superman in Lois Lane. There's it's nothing. It, it's just, sorry. It's incidental. Yes, that's the word for it. It is incidental. It is not part of the core narrative. The core narrative is something happens and Superman takes care of it. It's it, it is not a it's not a relationship that guides and changes what happens in his day-to-day all the time. It is a thing occasionally once a year that comes up that Lois and Lana do something stupid to try and get him to love them. Mm-hmm. It's part of the roulette wheel. I really like that analogy. And one of the things that sort of kills me about this is that it's very possible to have like a central tension that gets resolved at the end and not have like a focus on narrative continuity, like uh, spoilers for Seinfeld, uh, which, and I'm, I'm going to put myself on a limb here because I have not watched Seinfeld at all, let alone the finale, but I have read the Wikipedia entry for the finale of uh, Seinfeld, and it is the gang getting called to task, essentially. Just, hey, here are all the people who you were kind of shitty to, and facing the consequences of that. And I don't think of Seinfeld as being a very, like, plot narrative uh focus so it's just i think of it as being episodic you can do these things you can have a what it i think we might even have had in the past a what if superman were dying story that actually tried to resolve it but here there's just nothing there because this is a superman who everything is incidental for if his central conflict was trying to understand his connection to krypton and who he is in relation to his culture that would be cool yeah if he didn't already have all the information he needed about krypton and that was his one thing that he was constantly doing in the background that he was at the start of this issue superman has finally figured out how to learn how to read kryptonian Mm -hmm. and just as he's about to go read the journals of jor-el he's called away to fight luthor if an undercurrent of plot through all of his stories was him reconnecting with his origins, he would be a such a rich, a richer character. Mm-hmm. And I think you're absolutely right. He has no, he has nothing under his feet. There's no foundation there. He is just moving. And yeah, he's got Jimmy and Lois and the Daily Planet and stuff like that, but it's very obvious that he can drop that on a second's notice. Yeah. If he didn't have to go to the Daily Planet, he'd have no real connection to people. It's very clearly obvious that he can go around the world and see bad shit happening no matter what. He doesn't need the job. 
you know, the argument that him working at the Daily Planet allows him to see bad stuff happening so he can get there faster doesn't really seem to be a driving plot point. Mm -hmm. You know, so he's given Jimmy the signal watch. Jimmy could tell him whenever something bad was happening. Same thing with Lois. Why does he go to the planet? To take a slightly different slant on something you said earlier, that they everybody in his life is not is incidental. Uh, everyone in Superman's life seems to be like the kind of friend you don't you haven't talked to since the pandemic started. Where it's just, eh, if I don't see you ever again, like I might think of you every once in a while, but it's not going to impact my life. There, there is no best friend. Yeah. And his pursuit of Lois that we used to see in the golden age is gone. Yep. At least that's a motivation. You know, we haven't seen him pine for Lois really at all. In the last times we've read him, he's constantly fending her off. This idea of Superman and Wonder Woman fending off Lois and Lana and Steve is vastly different than when they were chasing the characters that that grounded them to humanity. Hal's got Carol. You know, Barry has uh, Iris. They all have a woman that they are trying to connect with, that they that their jobs keep preventing them from being honest with and having a real relationship, that thing that they think is missing in their life, that they're in love with this woman. Clark loves Lois in a way that's like, it'd be really great to date you. But if I die, I'm not going to tell you my secret identity. One of those oh, things uh, on his list was not telling her the truth. Oh, it's it's worse. It's worse than that because she would have found out the same way everyone else did because the clouds would clear and there'd be the message on the moon, which included a, a postscript about, hey, and I'm Clark Kent. Can you imagine From, being the person yeah. who finds out that way? It's, I mean, the, the shitty example is like <laughs> finding out you get laid off at the same time as the press release goes out. But, yeah. oh, man. She doesn't matter enough for him to have a private moment with her before he goes and says, Lois, I'm Clark. Mm -hmm. The... The closest we get is him reflecting on the various loves. There's nothing to resolve there. It's just, man, I've loved some people. And he puts the chick from when he was in the past That's in right. Krypton yeah. and the, the, the <laughs> gal from the other planet who can't come to our sun because she'd have no superpowers. Girls that he had fleeting romances with, he puts in the same category as Lois... Lana and Lori. Yep. That should tell you all you need to know about the fact that he doesn't really find their romances terribly important in his life. It's like, remember all those girls I dated? Not that not Lois was the greatest love of my life. It's it's bizarre. He has such a cold indifference that yeah, I care about you pretty much as much as I care about a dog that I might have to put down. And even then I care more about crypto. He doesn't care too much about Supergirl because he puts her in hiding for so long to make sure that she works for him in a way that works. He reveals her identity in a way that works for him. Yep. He has all this Kryptonian technology that he doesn't give to the planet. He just does shit with. And that and that's the other that's the bit there is the even in this story that is ostensibly about what would you do if you had three days left? They're not willing to even try the card of, okay, like everything. Just maybe he had concerns about stability uh, if he introduced all this new tech. There's just, there's not even a nod towards that. Yeah, which could be a little too fancy for the writers of the yep. time. And I fully admit that. And and I forget, do we have a reason he hasn't restored Candor to its normal size? I think there is a reason. I think it's mostly just been they don't have the tech, and if they try anything, anytime they get something that could restore anyone, uh, they don't. It, it's there is some reason that they can't use it on Candor. I think one of the upcoming issues after what we covered is going to be another like, oh, Candor thinks that they have a method, but they can't use it. Otherwise, everyone there will die, and only Superman understands why. But I don't think yeah. that I think it is a 
this is the status quo and nothing has been revealed that and anything that currently has been part of continuity is not supposedly able to handle the problem. Yeah. I was going to say like, he doesn't fix Kandor before he dies. Yeah. He doesn't, I don't, I don't think he even does anything with Kandor. Like maybe he feels a little bad with it. Maybe. The person he says goodbye to is Batman and Robin. Yeah. He pull, he flies to Gotham to say goodbye to Batman and Robin. And doesn't tell his closest friends at the Daily Planet his real identity. Yeah. This is a weird character. This is a weird Superman. Performatively good. Socially distant from people in a way that like makes him clearly not intimate with them. Passively superior. And selectively helpful. Incrementally Very helpful, strange I'd character. Say. Hmm? Incrementally helpful. Yeah, and you know, we always fall into that trap when you talk about a character like Superman, like, why isn't he stopping world hunger? And why isn't he... Look, the philosophy of all that nonsense can go on forever, and I'm not going to say that, like, you know, the the Silver Age writers who are just now inventing the superhero genre should really have tackled ideas like world hunger. I'm not saying they should. But Superman, again, is like... I'm going to stop this earthquake in Rangoon, but like also I'm going to go out of my way for an entire day to make sure that you have a picture of me that isn't from the front. You couldn't have just been like, hey, guys, can you get me just another picture from the side? I prefer you use that one. Mm-hmm. And they would have. What were they going to say? No. <laughs> were, were, the, were, the, were the photographers going to be like, no, screw you, Superman. And yeah, that was one of the other bits that got me was there was the issue with red, red kryptonite and he like half of his body became vulnerable. And so he went through that entire day. He had his like laundry list of here are the things that I'm supposed to show up for. And there was never even like a, Hey guys, can I reschedule that? That was just, that's just not even part of what the writers could envision this is just none of them were pressing. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> none of the none of those things were like I have to stop robbers or oh, there's a madman holding the city hostage. It was like oh, I promised the navy I'd help him with this boat. Yep. One of them was like helping a stunt coordination for a movie. He didn't even go like, hey guys, I got hit with some red kryptonite. Can we just like take it easy today? I'll, I'll do the stunts. I still got one half of me that's okay, but like just let's let's go let's go slow and it was seriously the only reason he didn't tell anybody was he got hurt and he didn't want anyone to know that like the scratch he got on his neck could reveal that he was clark kent again he's more concerned about his own identity which really doesn't matter that much Mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things because it's not like he does anything as clark kent other than report on things that like yeah it i don't know don't really matter it makes it feel contrived it makes it feel like none of it matters yeah well, we've got another year of this. Oh, no. So. Yeah. Uh, do we want to do recommendations or do you have any more points? Uh, I'm, I'm happy to be done with that. Uh, <laughs> I have a... I don't think that I have uh, recommended this before and I just got back into it. It's a mobile game called Night of the Full Moon. And okay. it is a... It's a roguelike deck builder. And the two things that make it stand out for me is first off, mobile. I I like one hour roguelikes. I anything beyond that, and it just it starts to feel like the run takes a little bit too long, especially if you get in a situation where like the only difficult part is the boss or the bosses. Just okay, this is taking a little too long, which was one of the reasons I bounced off Slay the Spire. So first off, like mobile and just it is a thing that i can play when i'm a little bit okay kind of getting ready to go to sleep and just the length of each run is fast uh but additionally it just leans really hard into the different classes having like there are maybe two or three probably even just two like viable combo engines that you can build and you get the pieces for them super early for each class uh and as a result it's a i 
I love combo engines just going burr. Uh, but B, it feels so much more satisfying to me to have that, okay, I understand how this works, and now I'm just trying to fi- figure out little things to bolt on that makes it that little bit better and just see this combo engine just get more and more and more. And now I'll switch to a different class and like, how do I make this one work? Oh, this is what's supposed to be going on, and here are the things that I need to add in to support. So I very much am enjoying that Uh it is, I like roguelikes, I like deck building games, this is hitting the the nice combination. Nice. I'm sure I've recommended this before, but the new season is out, Mandalorian. It's uh, it's pretty good this season, I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, first episode was really good. Uh, second episode was just fun. I had some qualms about the second episode, but I do appreciate the practical effects in that episode and i thought it was really well done with the level of miming that got across you know intent there was some good acting in that episode from very few people with faces yeah you know that's that's hard to do when when your main character is is in a mask and the other person that he's he's acting off of is a puppet and a a woman in a full mask so they, they did a good job i think um and the third episode was cool I enjoyed it. Um, there's some definitely some questions I have from like old Star Wars lore that I'm curious if they're pulling over. But Disney did whatever they wanted, so they're gonna they're gonna do what they they're doing now. Um, but I would I would suggest watching it. I think it's cool. Um, I've been enjoying it a lot. All right, with that, we're gonna move forward. <laughs> you know, we're gonna more Superman. Guys, I'm so sorry that you're on this journey with us. But again, remember, you can always skip these episodes and go straight to the fun stuff. Because um, that's why I have that's why yeah. I have these playlists now. Is that you can be like, oh, a bunch of Superman episodes. I don't care. Because uh, we're doing this for you so you don't have to. It's the whole point of this podcast. You know, that was really that really was the point of it. Was we summarized all this crap so you didn't have to read it. Because it's hard to read. It is. So... Uh, we'll see you next time Uh, be good to each other we love you all and we'll see you next episode DC Detectives can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes to stay in the know check out our Facebook Twitter and Instagram Matthew and I had been careful if we didn't watch our step we'd run into some pit full of red kryptonite dust or Mr. Mixius Pitlick Superman was becoming more and more ineffective, but busier all the same with strangely mundane tasks that demanded all of his time. We needed to see if he would fix this, or if he was working himself out of superhero work for good.